Songe Zomabete on SAFM. TK. How are you? Well and you, man. Good, man. It's been a while. Hashtag the weekend wrap. This time yesterday, very shortly from what was this time yesterday, the president would have spoken, and he indeed did speak. What are your takeouts from that? And particularly, what was the one thing the president could have and should have addressed that you felt he didn't? Well, look, my two, well, one is that, look, a behavior change is possible when it comes to COVID because we've seen the drop in number hence the, the drop in their, their lead level. So it shows that people can, if pressed, really change things. And two, and I, and I think it's one where, I'll probably put this as almost what he also missed out, is just the dire state of the economy. I know people are going to say maybe the return of 350, but you know I've been thinking about to say, is this really something that is a solution? Because it's such a short-term solution that one is a bit worried to say, listen, it would mean like the hopes of the whole nation rests on 350. Now, I know people are in, in a dire situation, but I think what we can all agree on is it's, it's about employment, employment, employment. So for me, that really was my take. And I think what was really missing is just the proper analysis of what's happening with the economy. Well, what is missing to the extent that you can breathe some analysis voice into it? Well, one, I think we just have to be honest. Uh, we don't have an economic... I know that the Treasury will speak about the economic recovery plan, but truth be told, it was pre-COVID, and it doesn't seem to really be to be moving anyone's world at the moment. I think we just have to have a, a proper, honest discussion to say, listen, South Africa's economy vis-a-vis what we are against the rest of the world, and against the rest of the world here, we're speaking about our fellow African states such as Kenya, such as Ethiopia and other Asian states, and to say, listen, what really creates employment? One of the things I keep arguing about is I really think we need to say, listen, if we want to be a manufacturing hub of the southern hemisphere, because I think that's what we should be aiming to, it might mean we might need to look at our legislation in terms of how we hire our hiring practices. We need to look at how we look at our SOEs. And one of the things which I know is not popular is to say we need to really reduce certain administrations in government, i.e. we have too many provincial governments, we've got too many local government municipalities and we just simply need to say government needs to work to two simple or three simple goals one employment at all costs if it means changing legislation if it means even dropping things such as minimum pay we might have to consider that because it's not as though we're in a position where we can really choose at the moment and two i don't see the need for a province like Gauteng to have all these municipalities Gauteng is big enough to be one big metro municipality and I think this can go for other rural municipalities in the Eastern Cape and also in places like the Northwest. And three, we really do need to uh, have a proper criteria of what it means to have a government civil service that's professionalized. I know the National School of Government is putting something on the table, but at the moment we can really say we're not there yet. So I think these are the three quick ones I can just think off the top of my head, which really should be pushing us towards the direction of a new thinking around the economy. And perhaps a way to springboard those things. Let me just work with you for a moment and to draw from what the president spoke to yesterday. Open quote, Aspen based in Kabecha will from October be manufacturing vaccines solely for the African continent. He further goes on to say a few days ago, the BioVac Institute in Cape Town was appointed to manufacture the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for distribution within Africa. Do we as a nation pause just to think as to how potentially big that is, that a South African entity, specifically Aspen and the BioVac Institute, which is government-funded, certainly in large parts, will then be leading, if you will, the pharmaceutical space in Africa's response 
to COVID-19 and how, never mind the failed institution for the most part that Gitlopela has been, which should have ultimately, if it was run correctly, be the one doing this. This is as good a time for us to just get our state pharmaceutical and capacity and related capacity rather onto the front foot and going indefinitely beyond COVID. Most, no, most definitely with you. But then I, I'd put it back to you. There's a publication I was involved with about six or seven years ago when we look at different scenarios which South Africa could leap on to actually make the economy run faster. This, I want to repeat, it's about six or seven years ago. And that's one of the things we highlighted to say we've not been investing enough in our pharmaceutical industry. And I always, I'm sure you, uh, even your listeners know whenever I speak to you, I always say, listen, it's either... You are South Africa. We seem to always be at the receiving end of situations. We don't. We're not a creator of the situation. So while I'm happy about this, and I like what you're saying, it's not about COVID. It's about COVID post. My worry is that it would seem as though government, even its policy thinking, is always about the immediate danger. What's happening now? When we should be thinking, what does the economy look like ten to fifteen years years from now? And I could tell you one of the things which, if you're saying TK, give me something off the top top of your head. We look. The aging economies are going to get it older. And they're going to want services. We should have be having companies, uh, entrepreneurs, who are thinking, how do we penetrate the Asian space? And the Asian space would include places as large as China. And if that's not what we're thinking about, and if that's not where our government is, that is my concern to say it's good, but we need better. Sure, and I accept that. But I mean, even just before we start getting too imaginative in our thinking, the fact that we in South Africa have got two centers that can be manufacturing vaccines, there's no reason, therefore, why, for instance, every South African who wants to be vaccinated cannot be vaccinated, say, by the end of this calendar year, if not before a particular milestone within this calendar year. That's one. And number two, we can then look to be the leading pharmaceutical within SADC, and then ultimately on the African continent, also in line with the African free the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. I think it is once we sort of get the necessary traction in these specific spaces, South Africa, the region, and the continent, over a period of time, develop the IP, develop the skills, then we might think to go beyond Asia, as you put it. But I mean, I think there's no reason with what this crisis ultimately has offered us as an opportunity, not just the country, of course, but the world over, are opportunities perhaps to reimagine and realign certain things that in previous years might have been missed. What else then beyond building state capacity in pharmaceuticals and related science? For instance, state and public infrastructure is decaying, and of course a lot of that would have been destroyed in the events of the last two weeks. And of course, that speaks to, for instance, among other things, you say jobs at all cost, the expanded public works program, but a diligently applied one at that. As an example, thoughts? No, uh, fully with you there, but uh, uh, and I'll just use, I think, the last five years, if you look at how much research, and de- what's called re- R&D, research and development has actually mm-hmm. gone into universities, into such things as uh, pharmaceutical, let's say the pharmaceutical type environment. Government has actually been spending less and investing less in universities. So you, everything you're saying is correct. But I my, my always underpin it by saying we've always had this capacity. That, but now the issue needs to be can we sustain it? So I'm fully with you on everything. But I think the key thing which we need to be asking and we need to really press out on this is can you sustain it? As you're saying, this cannot be a, oh, well, look, until COVID is finished. This needs to be how do we build it beyond, as you say, SEDEC, Africa, and then maybe into the far parts of Asia. Let's ask then on the question of sustainability, among the other things that Dr. T.K. Buwer has asked is whether or not, open quote, to support those who have no means of supporting themselves, we are reinstating the social relief of distress grant to provide a monthly payment of 350 until the end of March 2022. That is what the president's response has been in the wake of, of course, the events of the last two weeks and also of COVID itself and the third wave and the 
damage it has wrought through, especially alert level four. What are your thoughts as you sit at home there? What did you think, for instance, when the president spoke about this? And as we respond, please, I just appeal that we engage the question and not engage our respective privileges. After this very short ad break, we're going to be taking some calls, and I'm hoping to take at least three to four calls, one after the other, 90 seconds. You will be cut on the 91st second. Please stay tuned. Dr. T.K. Poo, Senior Lecturer of Witt School of Governance, is on The Viewpoint here on Hashtag The Weekend Wrap. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. On SAFM. Masano Abe, good evening. Hello. Indeed, go for it. Yes, um, good. I would like to comment on the Phoenix Massacre. Go for it, please. Uh, for the best part of the fiasco that we witnessed, I'm sure we can all agree that the Phoenix Massacre has gone under the radar at least for the best part of it. However, as a black man, I would like to comment, I would like to command, I would like to commend a plethora of my black fellow South Africans who have called on various shows in condemnation of the anarchy and the carnage that we witnessed because, yeah, let's be honest, the majority of the looters were black people, right? However, in the same breath, I would like to express my utter disappointment. Well, to be frank, I am appalled at the indifference, at the deafening silence from the Indian com- from the Indian community in condemning the senseless killings of black people in Phoenix. Because, yeah, let's imagine somewhere for a minute that the shoe was on the other foot and the roles were reversed, hypothetically speaking. And black people decided to retaliate. God forbid they do that. We would see a numerous number of Indian community leaders crawling under the roads. Let's go to Willie in Christiana. Thank you so much for the thoughts there. Masonwa in Creole, 90 seconds on the 91st, the automatic time at literally kills the voice. Let's go. William Christiana. Um, listening to the, to the president at the yesterday on when he went on to praise the defense force for the quickly uh, action, something like that. Even though that was not the case completely. Why? Because they came late, and the police were just relaxed. People just looking as they like. Point number two, this uh, 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 relief grant, particularly the general grant, how sustainable are they? How long are they going to, to take all the grants, not the pension, the, 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 these other grants, such as child children grants, and other grants, because our foreign nationals who are owning shops in the location, they also going to to enjoy maybe the what is this? The bailout from the department. So that in itself, we not happy about that. Thank you, that is. 
Thank you so much, Ndade, Willie, and Christiana. I understand that we have one voice note so far that has come through. Please keep them coming, and we will play as much as we can. That's the voice note, in as much as we will hopefully receive at least the double of the quantity of phone calls so far fielded. 2024, voice note, please. Hi, SFM. This is Funa Interven. I think the president was on point yesterday, actually bringing back the 350 uh, grant. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Another thing that he should have touched is about uh, uh, Phoenix uh, Saka, where some of uh, our, our people were killed. Uh, you know, he should have touched and talked about uh, uh, the issue of uh, racialism and then how that can be uh, uh, fixed. You know, yeah. Okay, thanks, thanks, my brother. Tune in, Devin. Songhez, I'm surprised. Athradak Foundation. Is so quiet about what happened in Phoenix. Thank you. Evening, Songazo, and your team. As much as I applaud the government for relaxing the COVID-19 regulations, I also wish to plead with my fellow South Africans to never let their guards down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this virus is deadly. I also lost my cousin two weeks back due to this deadly virus. I therefore pray to God for healing to all affected by this deadly virus. Only you, God, can move in a mighty way and do the impossible for them. We pray for all negative outcomes to be resolved by your healing hands. Bless and cover each and every single person and bring whole healing to their bodies from the top of their head to the soles of their feet amen Bonga Bati. amen let's take one more call in cape town we have kanyiso kanyiso good evening you have 90 seconds kanyiso speak please kanyiso simamele usemoyeni siyakwamkela yeah <laughs> Thank you so much, Kanyiso. Just confirming that the president failed in his view anyway to address the question of the taxi violence, particularly in Cape Town, where it has had a massive effect, not just on the workers, but certainly from today going forward to those learners who are reliant on public transport taxis in particular to go to school and all their extracurricular activities. So he felt that the president could have addressed that, but didn't, and that's all he wished to register. We have another caller, 2027. Perhaps we're going to take Mfundo in Dundee in KZN before we return to UTK. Songa is my brother. How are you? Well, sir, how's it? I'm fine, thanks. Um, can we please talk about the 28 people that uh, died due to uh, the, the, the what you call of the vaccine? It's a side effect, if I'm not mistaken. Can you please talk about that? Thank you very much. 
Thank you so much. I'm sure Lesejo and I will address that possibly with a little more pointed questions and a bit more facts. Thank you for bringing that to our attention, certainly. But what are your thoughts on that preliminarily to the extent that you know anything about that, TK? No, look, I, I'm like you. I think we'd probably want a full investigation from, from the scientists. And I I might be a doctor, but I'm not a, I'm not a biologist, so I, I tend to stay in my field. <laughs> well, I'll respond to some of the issues then that listeners have raised. I think the two key ones, and I'll start from the bottom going backwards, it's the issue of Cape Town. I mean, it is, I think the call is 100% correct that, you know, sometimes I think the president, it's almost as though he says a few right things, and then on the key immediate things, he, it's either he wants to deliberate too quickly or he wants it resolved, then he can report. But it's something which really should not be happening. And again, it speaks to the plethora of the problems that we don't have public transport in this country, because really that's what it boils down to. And it should not be the case, because it should be something which they should be on top of. Now, I think the last one will probably be the, the, the whole issue of termed the, the Phoenix Massacre. Look, let, let's be very honest. This issue, I think people always think, you know, for the law to really work, yes, we know the institutions must work, we know everything must be right, but a key point, and I, and I know you being a legal person would know that part of the law working is that people must believe it works for everyone, meaning there has to be arrest, there has to be conviction, because there were dead there were bodies, and unfairly so, that happened. So we must really see an end to justice. Because if it doesn't, the sad thing, and, and this will can become can blow up very quickly, is that people take justice into their own hands. And that's not what we want. But beyond that, we also have to be very honest and say, there's always been these racial tensions in, in KZN among African people and Indians. And it's something which has been almost put on the back burner, and it was sad that it had to come out in this way. So I think the only hope needs to be if the government, especially the provincial and the national, does not address it and people start taking it into their own actions, let's not wait and say, oh, we should have. It should be a situation which is that we're seeing the law work now Mm. because there were bodies and there needs to be now a justice to be seen. You remind me of something or remind me of something that I thought of sometime last week and I thought I would register it with the producer so that we can actually engage this a little deeper but now that you've said what you've said you've triggered a thought or two and I would really really please fellow South Africans work with me could two or three people just call me on was part of what we saw this is my posit to you not the upshot or the continued reminder of the Group Areas Act and its legacy apartheid spatial planning mass migration of one community into another space that for the most parts they don't express themselves or find expression in they don't have a franchise they don't lose like we literally saw people crossing highways crossing bridges or crossing territories that they don't find themselves represented in taking what they were taking and moving back and i just do wonder if the continued failures of social integration where people can therefore have some level of purchase and leverage in the public infrastructure and generally have an ownership in their local economy to an extent much like what we saw at Maponya Mall where residents of Maponya were like here and no further because this is our mall although they were citing the fact that the companies that are cleaning there the security companies that are there those who are doing maintenance on the buildings were nowhere to be seen because they are either white companies not from Soweto or companies that are simply not interested in the well-being of the residents of Soweto such that they come, milk the system of the money and leave. And when they really should be there to protect, if you like, their bread and butter, they were absent. Is it part or is it not part of the problem that apartheid spatial planning has evolved to 
have these sort of symptoms when there's sufficient disenfranchisement or sufficient disquiet in communities that ultimately apartheid 2.0 is manifest? I think I'd, I'd agree 100% with that, and I'd, I'd also just put it to you that it really does speak to what type of, as you say, what type of economy have we built post 1994? Clearly, it's one that, that, like as you said, the majority of people don't see that, don't see themselves in, and don't see expression of themselves. Which means they probably need to go back to the drawing board and say, how do we build an economy where, I think the the, the adage they use in economics, the way people have skin in the game, where you know if this building burns, we all burn mm, because mm. I, I'm part of it. And I, we just don't simply have that. And again, look, it's not my argument that you go back to people like Professor Herbert, the late Professor Herbert Pelagaz and other economists who said that the problem with the post-1994 economy has been that we, how do I put this, instead of building, and I'll be very blunt about it, an African industrial base, based on the fact that, listen, I come from Everton, we've got businesses there. What we've simply done is to advocate a system which says, I want to buy into a, look, you name a company, I don't have to put a name to it, mm. we don't have to give them free advertisement, but we've not really done that. So going forward, I think the only solution is to say, let's go into these, especially rural economy, into rural areas and township areas and say, listen, these people with these great ideas about moving the townships or rural areas into the 21st century, how do we invest in that? Because we need to see people like Botabo or we need to see people like Boshila who are really seeing their companies work in their area because that's the only way South Africa gets better if you and I have got skin in the game. And really, maybe I think maybe for further discussion, we need to ask what are the IDCs These, and what are even banks doing to really put the skin in the game for that? Because I, I hear that, you know, one of the, the key, even here from places like the IMF, one of the key criticisms they have is that South Africa's financiers have put such a high barrier to entry that it's almost as though they're saying you are in New York, you must have New York type of ideas and New York type of uh, collateral for us to find you. When in real fact, we just live in a, in a developing country where we really need those barriers to be a bit lower. So you're 100% right. Fantastic. Let's take, I understand so far, I have a couple of calls in the offing. Frank in Cape Town immediately. After that, we have N.W. Stephen in Madikwe. Frank, please turn your radio off or whoever has one's radio on whilst we play a round of applause so that we can welcome Frank from Cape Town as a first-time caller. All right. Yeah. Go for it, Frank. Hello. Please go for it. Okay. Um, good, uh, good, um, good evening, my first time of calling in. I like your show so much. I always listen to the show. Thank you, sir. Your thoughts, please. Mm. Yeah. But there's something I want to raise a point for you to um, tell me what we can do about it. Okay, it's about me and my wife. Eh? My wife is a South African, so I'm a, I'm a foreigner. So we have been married for more than eight years. So and also my I, we got two daughters. My first daughter is about fifteen years. Then the other one is uh, thirteen years. So my wife did uh, apply for a uh, for a house um, for the house. It was the RDP house. Then after a while, she got a call, and they told her that um, she cannot get the um, she cannot get the house because um, um, her husband is a foreigner. And also that um, the husband don't have a South African ID, so she cannot get the the house. So I was like, I don't know, I don't know what uh, what to do anymore about it because it's kind of um, discrimination to, towards her. She is a South African citizen by birth, 
and my children also, they are South African citizens by birth. So when I talk to the people, I told them, listen, this has nothing to do with me. I'm not the one that applying for the abortion. Is the woman is the one that applies for the RDP. Frank, I do appreciate that. We have to move on. The number, your number anyway, the producer does have, and I just confirmed with her whilst you were speaking that we will have to follow up with the story. Of course, first and foremost, with the Department of Housing, as we should follow up with the Department of Social Development, especially considering the fact that there are minors involved here, 15 and 13 years of age. That's a question that we will have to engage. Please engage us when we do have that conversation, and we'll certainly be in touch with you. Let's go to Stephen in Madikwe in the Northwest. Uh, good evening. Songes, let, let me raise two issues. Uh, the role of international public law and accountability when it comes to president, judiciary, and their mismanagement of, of resources and or abuse of power. I think you need to address that maybe sometime in your show. I, I'm saying this because studying the judgment of Kampepe, uh, judging Zuma. At paragraph 262, uh, Theron uh, J and J speaking, descending, by the way, strongly so, uh, they say what this counterfactual reveals is that the main judgment develops the law to meet the peculiarly frustrating circumstances of this case. It leaves in its wake law that is not only bad, but also unconstitutional. What I see here is that the judges are saying, look, uh, the, the main judgment of, of the eight judges is, is unconstitutional and bad law. So you, you, we have a, a judgment in our country which, first of all, is unconstitutional, and I'm talking about the highest court in the land. Number two, the two judges are saying this is bad law. And not only that, they are writing, they are developing law. They, they have descended in the arena of... We are at 3 minutes 53. I have just enough time for one more caller. Churchill M. Tata, first-time caller as well. Much appreciated, Churchill. Let's go. So, uh, yes, my brother. Look, man, uh, I, I just wanted to talk on the issue of social cohesion. Mm. Look, from where I'm sitting, we can never be able to achieve the so-called rainbow nation without social cohesion. Let me maybe let me make, I would say, I would put the blame on the doorstep of our government. Let's make a simple example. Let us look at civil servants. These are people that are being paid by the state, by government. I'm an educator by profession. We talk of redeployment of educators, but we find that in our schools in the township, you still find black educators teaching their black children. How does it happen? It's just not on. Because you'll find that now, if we redeploy people to these areas, whereby they are going to be acceptable in society, we interact with them. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Then there's going to be social cohesion there. I always make an example for the sense of Brazil. You see those fatherless. All the people there that are poor, be it whites, be it blacks, they are staying there in those shacks. You understand what I'm trying to say? All of them are poor. You get it? But in our country, it's still the same old apartheid structures that have been there. You find that the white people are in their own areas, serving each other in their own areas, the black people. You know, one other time, my brother, I once approached a woman from, uh, from, from overseas. 
the woman was from, uh, I just remember, I forgot the country, to date her. She was... That's the juiciest part of what you were saying, and yet to be cut. You're going to have to call us back to at least tell us the story. Thank you so much there, Churchill and Tata. I'll take one more call because I just do have enough time. TK in Cape Town, your thoughts, please, after which we go to an ad break, and then TK Buwe responds. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. We're back. We're live on air 2041. Let's take TK in Cape Town. A big important for that. We had our my wires crossed in, in studio. TK, good evening. Yes, Sangezo. Indeed, 90 seconds. Yes, Sangezo. Um, on what you noted earlier on about the legacy of uh, the special training in what happened in case 10, it is not only that of the case being what is transpired, but also the fact that the colonial system of not only just um, Colonialism, but also of the Indian uh, domination as well. It has had its impact whereby the dominance of Indians has uh, left that on the people of KZN and they feel excluded, not only just socially, but economically and culturally. When you look at the rich history of uh, the Zulu nation, it's dying. Is that all that you wish to say, TK? Um, I, I I can't hear you properly. I, are you done contributing? Oh, okay. Yes. On, and then the last one. The other thing is that if we are to say we want cohesion, um, not just uh, for us as um, South Africans, we need to start looking at cohesion in terms of inclusivity of the whole um, nine provinces of the country into a cultural identity and an economical identity. That's all I want to part with. Thank you so much. And you come from a region where there's a political party that styles itself as the Cape Independent Party that wants to establish a republic within a republic. Summarize the comments, points and questions, Dr. T.K. Bowe. And perhaps while I remember the gentleman who called and wanted us to engage further the question of the 28 people who died after being vaccinated in South Africa as at least on the 7th of July, the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority is conducting a study on those 28 people following either the Pfizer or the Johnson & Johnson vaccines in the country. I have spoken to my colleague. She's going to try and get hold of Dr. Tumismiti of SARPRA or the board chairperson, Professor Helen Rees, just to give us a sense as to how far that investigation is and specifically what it is that South Africans should know more, especially when we are now in the proper rollout, if you will, of the vaccine rollout, more especially indeed that 18 to 34-year-olds will soon be on the lines as from the 1st of September next month. TK, finalize comments, please. No, no. Uh, I think the key ones that really came out this evening is, look, we really, the, the question of how South Africa moves forward is very much determined about where the economy goes to. And this goes along, as you said, the long lines of spatial planning. But maybe I'll just leave with a contrarian view and maybe it's just my own. And the question of social cohesion, that it's always odd that I find it's always the African people that must always be seen as the ones to be pushing social cohesion. So the key question needs to always come back to say, where are all the, where are the rest of the races in this? Because it can no longer be that African people are being the ones who are asked to forgive and forget, are, are the ones who are saying, let's, let's push this thing. Because eventually people get tired, and once they get tired, they start asking really hard questions. And I just hope that we have the type of leadership that will be able to give us the types of answers. 
but uh, subsequent to that, I think what we should really be concentrating on, what really should make us socially coherent, is a South Africa where everybody has the ability to get a job and it's not uh, the floundering of government which is costing us jobs. Well, the EFF will tell you that they are the ones who offer these very solutions to which you refer. Eight years in the making, they certainly they cannot be faulted on bringing life back into South African politics, if for nowhere else, certainly in Parliament. Well, the understanding of life is always different. People, there's, there's excitement, but I think we're past that stage. The EFF, I always said, I want to see how they govern. Until they govern, because the beauty of being in opposition is that you can say and do whatever you want. But the key issue is what, what does your pudding look like? And I think that for me is always going to be the key challenge with the EFF. When will they finally get a province or a municipality where we can really say this is what the ideology looks like in action? Because until that happens, look, I for one enjoy the EFF and I think it's good that they're in parliament. But the bigger question, and I think even they even they asking themselves election after election, is why aren't people fully trusting them to take over a municipality or province fully? And until they do that, I think it'll be good to have them where they are. But there will always be questions about what will they look like in action? Let's leave it there. Of course, the story will continue as the celebrations and the pomp and ceremony as we lead to the local government elections. So far, more likely to happen in early 2022. Tika we thank you so much for your time. Let's take a break. The Urban Farming Cooperative is the conversation after the break that we shall have with Mr. Glenn Mayer, who's the founder and director at the Urban Farming Cooperative.